This is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur. If you're a novelist, the best way to make lemonade from a lemon of a nonfiction book deal gone awry is to repurpose it into a thriller that garners numerous enthusiastic reviews and a slot on several bestseller lists. Five-time Agatha Award winner Hank Philippi Ryan has done exactly that. Here's how Hank, who is also an Emmy Award-winning television reporter, explains how her research and coverage of the media-driven Tracy Anthony trial became the germ of the plot for her latest novel, Trust Me. So tell me, Hank, how did this particular novel premise come to you? Remember the Casey Anthony trial? Of where, course. Of course. And everyone, who, especially people who have an interest in crime fiction, um, and also psychology and human behavior and those kinds of things, were riveted to the Casey Anthony trial, this beautiful young woman from Florida who was accused of killing her young daughter, Kaylee, and then hiding it for several months. During her trial, I was hired by a big, big company to write the sort of in-cold-blood version. And this book was going to be an e-book, an interactive e-book with video and pictures, and it was going to be innovative and fabulous. And I had to have it ready to go. They were going to push send on the book the day she was sentenced to life because so clearly she was guilty. So I wrote on three computers. I had one computer for video of the trial, one computer for research, one computer for writing the book. I wrote day and night because I was I was under this unbelievable crushing deadline. But it had to be done the day of the sentencing. The verdict would come on a certain day, and two weeks later she'd be sentenced, and at that moment they were going to hit them. So I was under this crushing deadline, but I didn't know when it was. So I wrote it, and I had it, and I got it, and it was good, and it was this fabulous story. And then she was found not guilty. <laughs> and they called, they, they called me, and they said, you know, we don't, we don't need this now. We can't print this now. She's not guilty. And I thought two things. One, I thought, how can that be? Two, I thought, I... I just spent a month of every single waking moment and sleeping moment of every day writing this book that is now unusable, nothing. It's, it's going to vanish into nothingness. And three, how could I be so wrong? How could I have envisioned exactly what happened with all the evidence so perfectly and have the jury disagree? So I was fascinated by this, how people think, what people do, could you get away with murder, or maybe she didn't. Maybe, I mean, legally, she didn't do it. Legally, she's innocent. Right. So that was very compelling to me. Now, add to that this. My husband is a criminal defense attorney. He uh, has the hopeless cases, the people who cannot win. But he was working on a case that was very iffy, you know, that was a notorious murder trial and no one was quite sure whether his client was guilty or not guilty. And I heard my husband practicing his closing argument for this case, impassioned and well thought out and a wonderful you know, story of what happened. And I imagine the prosecutor at home with his wife doing the same thing with his closing argument 
telling exactly the opposite story and believing it just as purely. I wanted to see whether I could write a novel where I would take a set of evidence, pieces of evidence, and make them mean one thing, and then make the same evidence mean something completely opposite. And how, did, how could that work? And what a puzzle that would be. But how reflective that is of how we as human beings think. We can be persuaded that something is true. We can believe that something is true. But, you know, as I say in the book, there are three sides to every story. Three, your side, my side, and the truth. Hugh Grafton used to call it the magic. When the idea for Trust Me came to me, it was so irresistible to me. I called my agent and I said, you know, listen to this. What if a young woman, a journalist, who was upset and unhappy about her own life, had to write a true crime narrative nonfiction about a notorious killer, alleged killer, and thought she knew what really happened, but maybe she didn't. And how do you write a true crime book if you don't know what's true? And when I described that to my editor, she said, I want that right now. I want that right now. And that's what turned out to be Trust Me. I presume you never had a chance to talk to your subject. No, and I'd love to. And that was part of the, that was part of the intrigue of the whole thing. You know, what if the actual defendant were in my kitchen and I was talking to her and what would she say and what would her motive be? And would she be able to change my mind or would she try to? Could my entire belief system be slowly churned like an ocean, ocean liner to face exactly the other direction? I loved the cat and mouse element of the novel. You had your protagonist, Mercer, acknowledging the journalists must woo their sources, sometimes hiding their real feelings on how they feel about the person they're talking to. But at the same time, when Mercer is given the opportunity to talk to Ashlyn, she's being turned by Ashlyn, too. Ashlyn has her own agenda. And, you know, everybody has his or her own agenda in every relationship that journalists have. I mean, I've been a television reporter for 40 years. I've wired myself with hidden cameras. I've confronted corrupt politicians. I've gone undercover and in disguise. I've had people confess to murder. I know what people look like when they lie. My job as a journalist is to get you to talk to me. And how far will I go to make you feel comfortable with me so you tell me things? Um, And how can I... Of necessity, I need to hide my own feelings, which I can't erase, but I, but I can't use them in my story. But what if I couldn't hide it? What if my whole perception was so skewed by my own life um, that I couldn't keep it out of the story? So that relationship between reporter and subject is so fraught with pitfalls and possibilities and opportunities for manipulation, not to mention that the subject of the interview certainly has an agenda of his or her own, that they're going to try to convince the reporter of what's true. You know, I go in and I confront people. They say X, Y, and Z is true, and I have to be able to say, no, it isn't. 
and here's how I know you're not telling me the truth. But the, the risk for a reporter or a journalist is to go into a situation like that and not know. And the paradox is part of what journalism is about is finding out something you don't know. So it's all a risk. It's all a house of cards. It's just this Jenga puzzle that if you pull the wrong piece, it comes crashing down. How did you approach this book differently than you approach your series novels? It was such a completely different experience. Um, you know, in a series, no matter how suspenseful and how um, riveting and compelling it is, you know that the, that the main character, the person who is the, the, the star of the series, is not going to die. In my Jane Ryland books, Jane Ryland is not going to die no matter what perils she encounters. But in a psychological suspense standalone, like Trust Me is, anything could happen. Anything. And it took me a while to sort of grasp in a Game of Thrones kind of way that anyone could die. Anyone could prevail. Anything could happen. The world would go on at the end of the book, but we would never know it. So that was at once freeing and terrifying to know that I was 100% all in on this story um, and had to surprise me at every turn without the onus of having to keep my main character alive. Up until the very end, you kept us wondering if Mercer was going to come out of this okay, physically and emotionally. That's one of the things that keeps me sitting at my computer every day, um, writing the next paragraph and the next scene and the next chapter is, I, I want to find out what's going to happen. I was worried because it could, just like life, it could go either way. It, it could go a million ways. So what happened to Mercer um, was just as much a surprise to me as it will be for the reader. I'm eagerly awaiting reviews, but I'm terrified because there are so many, as you well know, points in the book that are big spoilers that I was so surprised when I arrived at those points that I, 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 there were moments when I said, oh, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that's what happened. And you could read the last page of the book and not know what happened along the way. And I love that too. It's, um, you know, when people say, oh, it has a twist of an ending. Well, this really is different from that, isn't it? The progression of the surprises in the book is what I think, what I hope, um, will keep people turning the pages because they know that it could be anything and that they know that I'm brave enough to have it be anything. As one of your readers, I'm glad you did, and I'm glad you went to a different place. You have such a wonderful protagonist in Mercer. She, too, has her own drama and trauma regarding what happened in her life. And again, I, I want to be like you. I don't want to give anything away here. There could be reasons why she could be sympathetic and reasons why she isn't. You're the perfect reader. <laughs> You're the perfect reader. Exactly. We all go into our lives with some baggage, um, which we don't always recognize fully. Um, and like Mercer is, a good journalist understands um, when they're crossing the line. But at some point, you know, is, could anyone be too vulnerable, too damaged, too psychologically 
um, invented to even recognize that they're going too far, or maybe if they do recognize, they recognize that they pull back too far. Right. Um, and so, but she's a real person, and that's I love hearing that you were um, that you that you liked her because she is a real person. She's not a terrible person in any way. She's not a perfect person, just like we are. She's a thoughtful person who doesn't skate on the surface of life, but um, tries to figure out who she is and why she's here and why she thinks of things the way she does and how life doesn't turn out the way we expect. I mean, she, she early, early on in the book, you find out she, she quit her perfectly great job to stay home and be a mother and a wife. And that was supposed to be a good decision. You know, how did the rug get pulled out from under you like that? And, 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 what, and what happens when it does? So I wanted to really explore that. And a person who's a smart, thoughtful, philosophical, reasonable person isn't going to not think about that a little bit. So she does, and I let her do that. So thank you so much for noticing that. I also like the way you made it obvious that there's some psychological issues that could occur in the process of being tried for murder. I mean, first, Ashlyn has the emotional baggage prior to her daughter's death, and then there's the stress of the trial. And then, all of a sudden, she has this new baggage of surviving a trial and still not being socially acceptable. Sure. I mean, imagine that. No matter what happens in that courtroom... She's going to be reviled and hated, and everywhere she goes, someone, people will look at her and say, Ashlyn Bryant, she killed her daughter, no matter what the verdict turns out to be. How do you get rid of that? Um, and can, can Mercer be complicit in helping her? You know, what is their relationship going to be? It's two smart, strong women in a high-stakes cat-and-mouse game. The problem is we don't know who's the cat and who's the mouse. Exactly. You hit it right on the head. In regard to your writing process, do you fully outline? Do you have a ritual for your writing day? I noticed that Mercer had her own rituals. So explain your process. Oh, I wish that I could explain my process. This is where I say dot, dot, dot. Um, I, I still work as an investigative reporter for Channel 7 in Boston, so my life is sort of prescribed around that responsibility as well. I could not write an outline if my life depended on it. I could not do it. Um, I have, believe me, I have tried to because there are points in the book where I think, oh, gee, I really wish I knew what was going to happen next, and if I had just been wise enough to write an outline, I would know. I never have made an outline. I have thought about it. I have tried it. I have failed miserably. When that works, knock on wood, it is a joy because that allows me to fully experience the joy and delight of when my brain somehow comes up with something that I had never thought of before. And as I said to my editor, who wishes I would do an outline, I said, how am I supposed to know what happens until it happens? So I don't know what's going to happen in the book until I'm actually writing the book. I still believe that I will get there. And that is what powers me 
every day. You know, interestingly, I was talking to Lee Child about this very thing, and he does it the same way. And we decided that it was because we're both journalists. And as a reporter, when I start out with a premise every day, I wonder if this guy robs the bank. I wonder whether money is being stolen from these vulnerable people. I wonder if this system works properly. I don't know the ending, right? I, I have to go interview people and do research and follow leads and track down clues and look at documents and try avenues that may or may not fail. And that's what I do every day as a reporter. So that's how I write. I write like a reporter. I am looking for the story that I hope is there. With Ashlyn, you kept the reader guessing as to what percentage of her feelings, her conversation was paranoia, was hurt feelings, was selfishness. Have you ever run across anyone who may have been sociopathic? Which I know Mercer thought might have been the case with Ashlyn. Um, you know, we don't know whether we've run across somebody who's sociopathic, do we really? And I think that's um, the tension of this book. If someone is acting hurt or they are really hurt, or you know we've all dealt with people, I certainly have, of people who are manipulative and have are trying to get you to do something and convincing you that it's for your own good or trying to make you feel guilty um, in, in ways that are insidious and subtle and unpleasant, but we recognize it. You know, even from the slightest, even from the slightest phrasing like, okay, you know, if that's what you want to think, you know, where, or okay, that's, fine, you know, that's not exactly how I would do it. And that's a very powerful thing, that, that, that manipulative, um, passive aggressiveness um, that can be very destructive to someone who's a little bit vulnerable. And those people go after the vulnerabilities of even the strongest people, and they have a skill in knowing where to poke and where to prod. Um, but on the other hand, so does Mercer, doesn't she? So does a journalist, don't we? Know, you know, when we see someone wavering, how to go after that and reel them in a little bit. So every one of us sort of human beings who has a thought process or a connection or a relationship with anybody can read another person. You know, if you love someone and you say, are, are you okay? And they say, how did you know I felt that? And you know, we have instincts, we have intuition. And the more we hone that, the more it can work. But at some point, um, that understanding of, of human psyche goes over into being destructive. And then what happens? Some of the most poetic phrases you have in the book are actually Mercer's thoughts about her own life and the darkness that she's visited. I want to compliment you for making her so deep and so injured because I think it added so much to how she internalizes anything that comes out of Ashlyn's mouth. First of all, thank you. You bring tears to my eyes as an author. Um, when someone sees where you're going as a writer and gets it, you know, we sit in front of our computer you know, for a year by ourselves 
and think, is anybody going to understand this? Is anybody going to get this? Is anybody going to realize how hard I'm working on this and how much I'm, of myself I'm putting into this to give you a person who's real? When you talk about Mercer Hennessy as a real person, part of me wants to say, you know, I made her up. She's made up. But you know her as well as I do. And to be able to give you that experience is the joy of my life, to make a world that never existed before and have it feel real to readers. Hank Philippi Ryan's Trust Me can be found in your local bookstore on August 28, 2018. This is Josie Brown with Author Provocateur.